Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright with you for the hour today, and it's good to be with you on this Monday morning, February 14th, a very happy Valentine's Day to everyone. More on that later. More on that. Let's, you know, let's pray first. That's what we need to do first and foremost this morning. So we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, it's it's one of those days, I have to tell you, that uh, I am just grateful for the opportunity to stop. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say begin the day. I've been up for a while. The, the day has begun, uh, but it's... Uh, you know, it's still in the early phase of the day. It's a good day to have the opportunity to just stop and pray with you. Uh, I find so often that the morning sets the tone for the whole day. And we're going to be talking a lot about love today on today's show. It's Valentine's Day. How could we not talk about love? Um, but we're going to be talking a lot about that. And sometimes where I most often fail to love, and I, I was just talking about this with someone over the weekend at the uh, Catholic Men for Christ conferences. In that first hour of the morning, trying to get the kids out the door into school, there's a lot of uh, stress sometimes. There's a lot of frustration sometimes. And often, more often than I, I'd like to admit, that is where a failure to love happens most and where it breaks down. And it's important for all of us to stop and reset. You know, and ask God for His grace to stop and reset, and kind of start over a little bit. You know, um, start over the day. It's never too late. It's never too late to go to God and say, "Lord, I'm having a rough go of it this morning, and I need Your grace. I need a whole lot of grace." So I'm grateful for this opportunity. As you may guess, it was a rough morning getting out the door at the Wright household. I guess we stayed up a little too late watching a football game last night. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's just how it is. Now, I was thinking about doing a whole thing on, uh, you know, I, I was rooting for the Bengals all the way, and I was so impressed with how they started that third quarter, and yet it came down to in the beginning of the game, you know, for, to me, this is just my thought, they had two drives where they didn't score at the beginning of the game, and, and if they would have scored on just one of those, be a different story this morning. Perhaps. Perhaps. I don't know. But the reality is, no matter how hard you work, sometimes things just don't go the way you want to go. And that's what I think. You know, we did, We I often talk about the backpack routine and, and all of these things. And yesterday I said to everyone, have your backpacks ready, have your shoes ready, this and that. And sometimes, no matter how hard you work, it just doesn't go the way you wanted it to go. Now, I hope you all had a great weekend. I uh, I was shocked Saturday morning by how cold it was. And I had heard it's going to get colder over the weekend. I mean, I had no reason to be surprised by the fact that it got colder. 
But when it settled in, I was like, wow, this is really cold. Now, it's not like it was five degrees, like it was a few weeks or a month or so ago. Um, but after a couple days in the 50s and almost 60s, going back down to 19 is a little shock to the system. Uh, but, we, you know, we had a good weekend, and I'm grateful for it. I had the opportunity to take Beth out for her birthday, and we went and uh, got dinner and then stayed overnight uh, away from the house, away from the kids. They all had wonderful fun at sleepovers. Got up and went to brunch on Saturday morning, had the opportunity to see a good friend of ours who was uh, peddling cookies at a, a local farmer's market. And I'm going to tell you, they were delicious. And I'm looking forward to, we bought a cookie cake for tonight to have a little fun with the kids. I'm looking forward to that. So I'm very grateful for those moments. And it's one of those things, again, nothing super extraordinary about any of them. I mean, the place we went to dinner on Friday evening is a place we go to dinner quite often. And, and in fact, we had a good laugh because the uh, server came out and read us the specials. And I said, oh, I'll have that one. And then when he brought it out, he goes, you know, I, for, I forgot to tell you, the chef had to make a substitution because we ran out of some ingredients. And so instead of mashed potatoes, you get roasted potatoes. And instead of broccolini, you get broccoli. I hope that's okay. And it was an opportunity where I could have said, you know, you told me it was going to be mashed potatoes. You told me it was going to be broccolini, but these are roasted potatoes and this is broccoli. This is unacceptable. Send it back. I don't want it. No, 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 no. I have to tell you, those potatoes were some of the best potatoes I've ever had in my life. As weird as that sounds like a thing to talk about on a Monday morning here. But again, this is the difference over the last two years as we've been making that midday exam and a staple of the things we talk about in our daily prayer routine. And it's been a while since I've mentioned it, so I'll just real quick refresher here. Midday today, when you go to eat lunch, perhaps after you finish lunch, stop and for one minute think of something you're grateful for so far today and say that out loud in prayer. Lord, I am grateful for fill in the blank. Stop and think of one area where you need grace to turn around your day. For me, it's going to be patience with the kids. I, I, I can tell you that already. Lord, I am grateful for fill in the blank. Lord, please give me the grace to fill in the blank, right? A great practice. And the more I have put that into play, the more I have been able to be grateful for things that would have upset me years ago, and it's helped cultivate that, that idea of detachment that we talk about so often on the Roadmap Roundup. And the more I find myself zeroing in and getting really nitpicky on that, Lord, give me the grace to, please give me the grace to, and then that area of my life I need to improve. We're getting into specifics now because it's bearing fruit and we can really start, you know, we're, we're going, I guess, I don't know economics. Is that from the macro to the micro? I don't know. Don't, don't ask me to buy your stocks. But the lesson I learned from those potatoes the other night was, wow, if I would have been so fixated on you told me one thing and brought me another. I would have missed out on some delicious, delicious food. So that is the uh, the story before us. On the show today, we are, we've got a jam-packed show today. We've got Father Zach Edgar joining us when we come back from the weather. Uh, he'll be talking about what day is it today? Is it Valentine's Day or is it the Feast of St. Cyril and Methodius? Well, more on that when we come back from the weather. And then later on in the show, we're going to be talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby about St. Valentine and the lessons we can learn. And then finally today, you know, the age-old question I think all of us have wrestled with at some point in our marriage. Am I, 
Am I loving my kids left less if I love my spouse more than them? Not to say that I don't love my kids, but if I give more priority and attention to my spouse, am I somehow slighting my kids? So that is what is before us on the show today. Uh, but before we can get to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts now for that check of the weather. A powerful weather system arrives on Wednesday, slides by on Thursday, draws in air cold enough to produce some snowfall. At this point, it looks like accumulations would be minor. And ahead of all of that, we have a Monday that will be warmer. Partly sunny with a high near 50, clear tonight with a low of 25 tomorrow. Partly sunny and breezy with a high near 60 degrees. Then Wednesday, once again, the high should approach 60 degrees. By afternoon, we'll have rain here and it'll be windy again. Then Wednesday night into Thursday morning, the cold air arrives, meaning we'll have a mix of rain and snow changing over to snow during the day on Thursday with minor accumulations of snow possible and a high of 42. Then Friday, Saturday and Sunday, mostly sunny. Highs Friday and Saturday in the low to mid 40s. Sunday, a high near 50. Today is the feast day of St. Valentine. Very little is known about St. Valentine, and there may have been two, but we do know this, one or both were martyrs. The first is Valentino, a third century priest in Rome, whose ministry included those imprisoned and condemned for their faith. Emperor Claudius summoned Valentino and ordered him to deny his faith. The emperor liked him and was impressed by his courage, so he sent him to a nobleman named Asterius and ordered him to convert Valentino. However, when Asterius's daughter became sick and lost her sight, Valentino prayed over her and she was cured. This led to Asterius and his whole family converting to Christianity. When the emperor heard about this, he had Valentino condemned and he was beheaded. The second Valentine was the Bishop of Terni in what is now Turkey. He was approached by a renowned philosopher named Crato who offered him half of his wealth if he would only cure his son of a deformity. Bishop Valentine convinced Crato that the healing would come not from the bishop himself, but through faith. Crato asked to be converted, and his son was healed, leading to the conversion of the rest of his family and many of his friends, one of whom was the son of the Roman emperor who had Valentine decapitated because of his son's conversion. A church was built in Turney and named for Valentine, and the Benedictines later spread the story of Valentine's Day to their monasteries in France and England. The tradition of Valentine's Day includes as the patron saint of lovers, Geoffrey Chaucer, who noted that birds begin pairing on Valentine's Day. St. Valentine, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. It is always a treat to talk to Father Zach Edgar. It's even better when we have a chance to do so here in studio, and he is with us today. Father, good to talk to you. Always good to be here, Adam. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Now, February 14th is a day that, uh, you know... Been well, co-opted by Hallmark. Co-opted by Hallmark. Yeah, there's that, <laughs> number one. But I often see the uh, somewhat snarky side, myself included, of, of Catholics of Goodwill uh, coming out. Hey, everybody, happy St. Cyril and Methodius Day. And then the kids are like, what are they talking about, Dad? It's St. Valentine's Day. And Father, we're going to turn to you. Uh, whose day is it? 
Well, it's both, and it's even more than that, uh, because every day of the year, if you look at a, a resource called the Roman Martyrology, you'll find usually dozens of people every day, 365 days a year, that the Church remembers throughout the centuries as men and women of heroic virtue, uh, many of whom actually did shed their blood for the faith, and that we uh, we celebrate on the on the calendar. And when you, when we say calendar, you know, we just focus on like, okay, well, what do we have here in the United States? But every bishop's conference, country, and even even locally, especially in Europe, you know, you'll have particular saints celebrated to a higher degree uh, than we may not have at all here, or vice versa. There's a richness to the calendar, and I asked Mike Roberts about this one time. You know, every day, every day when he does the weather, he has the saint of the day. And I say, Mike, you know, some days I look at the calendar, and even my my liturgical calendar doesn't have anyone listed. And he's like, if you dig deep enough, you can find a saint attributed Mm -hmm. to that day, whether it's their memorial, their feast, or just a day that they were involved in something, and that happened on this day, and so we can remember them each and every day. But every day we have a saint we can remember. Why is this important for us? I mean, aside from giving us something to kind of keep track of the calendar, that, that's not why the saints are on the calendar. Why do they have their own days? Well, for most of them, you know, it's we would say it's their birthday into heaven if we know for sure the day of their death or an approximation thereof. And I mean, that's what it's all about is getting to heaven, as you've said, many different ways with many different guests and uh, and yourself besides, you know, this is all about heaven and that's the goal. And so every day there are people we can look up to uh, that, you know, we, if we get to heaven, all these people are going to be uh, like family members to us. You know, the love that, that permeates heaven, you know, because that's who God is, perfect love. All these people, even though, even though we never met them in our lifetimes, uh, even those, you know, who've been blessed to meet a Mother Teresa or John Paul II for a few seconds of their life or whatever, just to have uh, as deep a bond as we have with our dearest loved ones with these same people. And I think about that every time I pray the first Eucharistic prayer, you know, you go through the two lists of saints, and some of the names are probably a little more obscure to people than, say, the names of the apostles. But we should care about every single one of those names, and I try not to race through them, because these are people I'm going to be with forever before God's face. You know, when we talk about the day, uh, February 14th, for example, we have in the the ordinary form of the Mass, St. Cyril and Methodius. That's mm-hmm. where that comes from, is that's actually what we currently celebrate in the new calendar. But mm-hmm. in the old calendar, it was indeed St. Valentine. St. Valentine. Uh-huh. And so, uh, again, both of, well, all three of them get the day. But there are some similarities between Cyril and Methodius and Valentine, and there are some differences. For example, uh, Cyril and Methodius are blood brothers. Mm-hmm. They, they come from uh, the same family. They were priests, and they ministered to the Slavs, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently they gave us the Cyrillic alphabet, too. So no, no small contribution to Western well, and Eastern world there. Exactly. I mean, when we talk about culture and, you know, moving from, if you want to say the Dark Ages or whatever, to a, a place of there's more literacy, there's more education. Um, the Church has been responsible for higher education in, uh, in pretty much every form you can think of for many, many centuries now. And I know... You know, my my only Catholic roots in my family are Slavic. My great-grandfather, Bodlovich, he immigrated to St. Louis, and, um, you know, I wouldn't have the Catholic faith if it weren't for him. And then my uh, great-grandmother converting and my, you know, their kids, my grandmother included, being baptized over here, and, you know, it's it's got to get handed on. But in a way, I uh, kind of feel a special 
uh, connection to them, no matter whether you celebrate them in July in the old calendar or February 14th in the new calendar. They are co-patrons of Europe and have a rightful place in uh, being honored universally, which again, that's we have people on the universal calendar, we have people on local calendars, etc. But, uh, I mean, they, they have a rightful place on the universal calendar. And sometimes feast days, again, are the day people died, or it's the day their relics were translated to a different church, or, or some, something. But uh, there's, there's always a reason for the day. Right. And then Valentine, uh, you know, I, I have to confess, I don't know much about him. My, my experience, sadly, has been through the greeting card industry. <laughs> uh, but we know that he's a martyr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Priest what, and what martyr, What else do yeah. we know? Priest and martyr uh, in Roman times stood up for uh, the the good of marriage, um, so you can kind of lump him in there. Like when you think of uh, like a, a Thomas More standing up to the king, or a Thomas Becket standing up to Henry the Second, or uh, that type of thing. And there are multiple saints Valentine who are who are martyrs. And in fact, local connection here in St. Louis, uh, especially for those of you who have never made the pilgrimage up to the old shrine of St. Ferdinand here in Florissant, uh, where St. Rose Philippine Duchenne worked, one of the, the main relics in the old high altar there at old St. Ferdinand's is a relic of St. Valentine. Now, whether it's one or the other St. Valentine, you know, I don't, I can't tell you that, but nevertheless, that's a little bit of uh, maybe reason to, to get up to the shrine today or sometime soon if you haven't been there in a while, or maybe you've never been to where a place right here among us where a canonized saint of the Universal Church uh, lived and worked. Well, there you have it. You know, I mean, marching orders there today. Now, Father, this is really great that you're bringing another saint into this, St. Rose Philippine Duchenne, who, as you said, lived and worked right here. And we can, we can go see where she worked. We can mm-hmm. go pray in the church where she prayed. And go out to St. Charles where she's buried. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, and, and so when I think of this, whether it's Cyril, Methodius, Valentine, St. Rose Philippine Duchenne, St. Ignatius of Loyola— uh, my favorite saint, St. Philip Neri. There are so many saints, and there are a lot of similarities. The number one, if they're a saint, they're in heaven. And I want to be in heaven, so I probably should follow their example. But I think that sometimes, you know, I, 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 I'm a musician. And some musicians I watch and I say, that is fantastic, but my fingers are not the same size and shape as their fingers, mm-hmm. so there is no way I could play the piano like mm-hmm. that or I could play the guitar like that. However, there are other musicians I look at and I say, hey, we're in the same vocal range. We have kind of the same, uh, again, you know, like I never thought finger length would be so important for playing a musical instrument, but it is. I can play the technique they're playing, and I can still make good music, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to be able to do it the same way that other person did. But with the gifts that you have. Right. And so if, if, if perhaps I look at this saint and I say, Father, that's not very inspiring to me. Odds <laughs> are good. I might be able to find another saint that I can really identify with as I say, well, how do I get to heaven? Well, maybe I ought to do what they did. Um, and I said a while ago, you know, there's this resource called the, the Roman Martyrology um, for the Extraordinary Form. It's a, it's a book last published in 1956, and for uh, the current calendar, John Paul II published one twice in 2001 and 2004. And uh, we've got some good folks working on uh, the International Commission for English and the Liturgy that are this year uh, publishing for the first time, the 2004 Martyrology in, in English, and that would be a great resource really for any family to have because it goes beyond just, okay, here's the memorial that's on the calendar today, or here's the second or third class or first class feast that's on the calendar today. Here's 12 or 13 or 14 saints every day with a little blurb about who they were, and I bet you can identify with one of those dozen people every single day of the year. So moral of the story, find a saint we can identify with, 
Follow their example. Follow their inspiration. Or do you remember who your confirmation saint is? For I some, do. St. For, for, John Leonardi. For, for, thank for you. For some folks listening. <laughs> yeah, for do. some folks yeah. listening, yeah. you know. Um, and identify with those saints. I used to tell the kids when I worked with the school, you know, find out who the patron saint of soccer is. Find out who the patron saint of dance is. Find out who the patron saint of singing is. And next week, report back here because I'm going to ask you about it. And I expect you to know the answer. And they had a field day with it, getting on the Internet and, and researching all their patron saints. Mr. Wright, did you know there's a patron saint of and mine's blown? Mine, mm-hmm. And there's probably even a patron saint of mine's blown as well, you know, or there someday will be. Yeah. Yeah, there you have it. So uh, pay attention when Mike Roberts does the weather to get that saint of the day and study the saints. I think this is a, a great task before us. Father, could I ask you to close our time out in prayer? Certainly. We'll pray the glory be together and thank God uh, again, just taking that moment every day to contemplate what life in heaven's going to be like, to see him face to face with all the saints and uh, just to worship him forever and how beautifully and succinctly we sum that up in the glory be. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as As it was was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Father Edgar, thank you so much for being with us today and making the trek to our studios. Friends, there's more Roadmap to Heaven after this. We are back. If you're just joining us, we were talking before the break with Father Zach Edgar about the uh, oddities of the liturgical calendar that everybody's running around today saying, Happy St. Valentine's Day, Happy Valentine's Day. Um, But, you know, you look at the calendar and it says, well, wait a minute, it's Saints Cyril and Methodius. And we got into the, the nuts and bolts of that just before the break. One of the things we didn't really talk in depth about, though, was who is St. Valentine? I mean, this day, everybody recognizes. It's, it's as if everybody became Catholic today. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. I didn't know you you followed the saints. Um, but who was St. Valentine? Here to help us out, joining us by phone, Father Jeffrey Kirby from Our Lady of Grace in South Carolina. Father, good to talk to you this morning. Thank you, Adam. Good to be on the show. It's always great to have you here. So let, let's start right here. Who was St. Valentine? Yes, St. Valentine was a man who passionately loved Jesus Christ and gave his entire life in service to the gospel and died a martyr, a holy martyr uh, for the Lord Jesus, for the love he had for the Lord, the love that he had for his neighbor. Uh, That is the push, the emphasis, the best summary we can give to this person, uh, St. Valentine. So, Father, you mentioned, you know, St. Valentine gave all of his heart to our Lord, and and we think about that today kind of in the mushy uh, greeting card way that, uh, you know, this is the day I give all of my heart to you. And and I think certainly for spouses, that is certainly appropriate. We don't want to hold back any of who we are. Uh, when I think back to our marriage prep and, and that gift um, that we talk about on the Church's teaching of marriage, free, total, faithful, fruitful. We don't hold back from our spouses. But the lesson really isn't about, um, you know, Dean Martin songs and Frank Sinatra and chocolates and and arrows and, and Cupid, who, you know, again, let's not get started on Cupid. It's about not holding back from God. And that, that really is a great lesson for us today, that as much as I may love my wife, I'm called to love God even more. Yes, yes. And, and, and what's powerful about that and oftentimes people can miss this, is that by allowing our love for God to be first, we actually love those around us even more deeply. So, for example, if someone you know, offends me or hurts me, right, and, and in my fallenness I, I want vengeance or, or I turn them into a monster in my mind, right, it's precisely my love of God that reminds me, wait a minute, that's a child of God. You know, they're fallen just like I am. I'm called to mercy. 
I need to be merciful to this person and give them the freedom to change. Well, it was only my love of God that got me to that point. <laughs> you know, or, or when someone needs me to go the extra mile, I really have to die to myself. It's like, I really don't want to do this. Can't someone else do this? But it's my love of God that then, you know, fans into flame the love that I'm called to have for my neighbor that then helps me to go the extra mile for this person. So it's not as if, like, well, we love God first. That means that the love of our neighbor or our family is diminished. No, if we're loving God the proper way and we're really using His grace well, we actually love those around us better and more deeply. You know, first off, I have to say amen, because I look at marriage, and Beth and I have been married 12, almost 13 years. It'll be 13 years this summer. And we're in that, you know, we're not the veterans of marriage, but we're not rookies anymore either. And I look at how God's love has been modeled through our love for one another and how it's been modeled in our love for our children and our children's love for us, that that experience of family that we have built over the course of our marriage so far has really been a great visible encapsulation of God's love for us. And, and I think back to just a few weeks ago, you know, I said, hey, I, I, I've got some friends in town. I want to go out. And she goes, well, just don't stay out all night. And as I'm looking at my watch and I'm thinking, oh, I, I need to get home. At some point, uh, probably an hour before or two before I realized this, I said, I have been out way too late. I, I should have been home hours ago. And I got home and I just thought, she has every right to be mad at me. And she just said, I'm glad you're home. I love you. Go to sleep. And uh, I thought, wow, what have I done to deserve just that? I don't know if it was forgiveness or if it was compassion or patience, uh, probably a mix of all of those. And I thought, how many times, though, in my spiritual life has God been that way with me, that that he had every opportunity (laughs) to say, Adam, you knucklehead, Um, and yet... He welcomes me back through that sacrament of reconciliation. He welcomes me back pouring out grace so that I could endeavor to be in that state of sanctifying grace. Amen, amen, amen. I, I think, you know, St. Valentine's Day is a great opportunity for us all to reclaim real love. Love in our society has been redefined to be my subjective satisfaction, my emotional fulfillment. And I tell people that, that that's not love, that's selfishness, right? So real love is... I will die to myself in order to serve the one that I love. So obviously we, we seek to follow God with all our heart, and then that love then compels us, pushes us, gives us the grace in order to then love those around us with that selfless love. And that is difficult because we are fallen. <laughs> so the, the grace of God has to get in there and really work and bring about a transformation in order for us to then begin to love as we want. So I think that the Feast of St. Valentine's Day is a great opportunity for us to reclaim love and to understand what it means. Like, you know, St. Paul is, is clear, like First Corinthians 13, love is patient, it's kind, it's not rude, it's not jealous, it's not brood over injury, the list goes on. First John 3.16, St. John tells us, for this is love, that God loved us and saved us even while we were his enemies. So this, this is where, like, as Christians, we have a great opportunity both to become people of love and then to give a real radical witness to, the, to our world, the fallen world, of what love truly is, especially when love has been so redefined and, 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 and abused. So we can now show, like, no, this is love. Like, I really do love you. I'll be patient to you. I'll forgive you. I'll go the extra mile for you. Uh, for this is love. You know, I probably wouldn't uh, go up to the 
the guy who just cut me off in line at the grocery store and say, would you be my Valentine? That, that'd be a little awkward <laughs> and weird. But that's an opportunity to love someone, to say, you know, I could grumble and I could, I could fester and I could stew with anger. This person cut me off in line or, or in traffic or, you know, I can't believe that that person said that to me in the email that I got today at work or I'll go on and on and on and I'm just mad. It's an opportunity to, to let go and to be patient. And, you know, without even using the words, will you be my Valentine, an opportunity to love or, or perhaps, you know, one of my kids is doing something and I, I have not been able to let it go just to say, look, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna work through all of our imperfections, yours and mine. But first and foremost, we're gonna love one another. And I'm I'm so glad you brought up First uh, John, Father, because one of my favorite passages in Scripture is in First John chapter four. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And uh, I, I think somewhere in there it says, and, and because God loved us first, that's why we love one another. So what a wonderful opportunity for us on this uh, Valentine's Day, friends. Father Kirby, I think it's a, a good time for a prayer. Excellent. Let us pray. Father, you are the God of love and compassion. We ask that you continue to pour your Spirit into our hearts. Help us to accept your love, to reciprocate that love always as faithfully as we can. Allow us to be instruments of that love to those around us. For you are Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back after this. Dr. Ray Garendi is the host of The Doctor Is In, which you can hear every day right here on Covenant Network at 12 o'clock noon. But we're happy to be speaking with him as part of Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Doctor, good to talk to you. Hey, Adam. Roadmap to Heaven, huh? That's kind of presumptuous. Well, you know, I, I we're, we're all on the road. We're all on the road. Uh, the map is still being drawn for me, and I just hope I can follow it. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you. You know, it's it's always good to listen to your show. I tell people frequently that you answer questions I didn't even know I had. But today I do have a very specific question for you uh, from our listeners. It's something that parents talk about quite a bit. It's one that I know my wife and I have wrestled with over the 13 years we've been married so far. One that we've come to terms with as being an okay thing. You know, we're talking for Valentine's Day here, and if we focus on one another— somehow we're sliding our children or we're leaving them out and that we need to make them the number one priority in our marriage. Uh, and someone said, no, Adam, you and Beth need to make each other the number one priority. And in doing so, you will love your children better. And I, I said, okay, it's taken me a while to get here, Ray, but I thought, let's go to an expert and let's find out what's really going on. So is it okay for us to prioritize our spouses over our children in our marriages? Way back in 1990, Adam, I published a book called Back to the Family. In 1990, so was I, was I in kindergarten? I was, I was really a prodigy. So when the book came out, we interviewed strong families all 50 states. We asked them, how are you raising these kinds of kids? You know one of the number one things they said, Adam? What's that? We put each other first. So they had the best kids that a national state teacher had seen. She nominated them for this book. And the parents said, our marriage comes first. I think the reason people say that you should put the kids first is they're afraid that if you put your wife first, that means you're going to automatically neglect your kids. Nothing can be further from the truth. Kids feel incredibly secure and confident when they see their mom and dad 
as one. A duo here that's stuck together at the neck. How many little kids, when you see mom and dad hugging, the little kids come running and try to squeeze in between? That's one of the things that the kids said in the Back to the Family book. They said, we absolutely loved seeing our mom and dad hug and kiss. Even though when the 14-year-olds went, oh, oh, that's gross. Oh, don't do that here. You're not going to do that. Go outside. But they knew mom and pop were the focus of the family, and that made them feel more secure. You know, I have to tell you, I've got one boy and four girls, and anytime Beth and I give each other a kiss, if one of the girls is there, they immediately shout, oh, smoochy, smoochy, and they run and they get the other sisters and say, mom and dad, smoochy, smoochy, they smoochy, smoochy. Now my son's rolling his eyes like, what's wrong with these girls? But you're right, they love it. It can be counterintuitive, though, Ray. It, it seems like, well, wait a minute, am I neglecting them? You know, I remember the first time that we decided we've been home with these kids for a while. We were in the thick of have a kid, two years later have another kid. It was diaper season in the right house. We didn't think we were ever going to get out of it, and we said, let's take three days, and we're going to go away for three days. And we had some very gracious friends that watched our children while we were gone, and we took a trip just the two of us. And it took us a while to get over that idea that we're gone, having fun, falling more in love with one another, and leaving them behind. How is it that this works out? You know, you mentioned that the kids, they benefit from seeing mom and dad love one another. But in this case, we left them behind. And that's still okay, right? When you treat each other better after you came back from your three-day sojourn, and by the way, the person who watched your kids, did you give them 40 bucks an hour plus benefits? No, oh, I, I forget what we did, but they were very well compensated. So given all that, when mom and dad came back and there was a warmth with mom and dad, there wasn't the kind of bickering friction that kids sometimes see that makes them feel insecure. Do you realize what that does for a kid? Let me draw a parallel here, Adam. One of the complaints that the Catholic Church gets and Catholic faithful. Well, you pay too much attention to Mary, and that takes away from Jesus, right? You've heard that one, right? Uh, we've all heard that one, I think, yeah. Of course. And we know that's ridiculous, because the bottom line is that Jesus' family. So when we pay attention and honor his family, we're honoring him. So when you honor your wife, and you show her the kind of warmth and affection that she's number one, she has to be number one, then it automatically redounds to the kids. Well, you know, in a, in a funny sort of way, Adam, we are a twisted, child-centered society. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that our kids do not come first. Our marriage does. And then automatically the kids will get a benefit beyond anything we could give them if we put them first. Ray, I got to tell you, this sounds a lot like something a, a priest was telling me the other day, that if it's about right order in our relationships, that even in our marriage, if we keep God first, then our marriage is going to be benefit. And then if my wife and I keep each other next in that order of priority, our children will benefit. And then we go to our children. So one of the questions that I, I think, you know, we've asked our circle of friends, and we get different answers on this. What do you recommend to couples? You know, someone said to us, Adam, do you and your wife still go on dates? And I said, you know, there was a spell where we didn't, but then we made that a priority to have date night. 
And of course, Valentine's Day, like everybody's trying to get dinner reservations and do something special tonight. But how often do you think husbands and wives should be going out and saying, leave the kids at home for, even if it's just for an hour, to go to the fast food restaurant that you love and get some drive through and eat it in the car? How often should couples be going on dates? My wife and I go out on Tuesdays and Fridays. She goes out on Tuesdays. I go out on Fridays. No. Okay. Actually, <laughs> they did a study, Adam. They said, do these kinds of dates help a marriage? They do under one condition, that the marriage itself is kind. If, in fact, the spouses do not treat each other with a kind of consideration and manners and courtesy and tolerance and stuff that you reserve for everybody else, you notice that, too? Sometimes we treat our spouses worse than we treat anybody else at work or anywhere else. If that is not part of the marriage, the date nights don't work. They do not do anything. But if the marriage is solid, if my wife can say, this is the goal here, Adam, if my wife can say, Ray treats me better than he treats anybody else. Now, many marriages can't say that. A wife will hear, your husband is the greatest guy at work. He just is complimentary, and he's just the nicest. He never scolds anybody, and the woman's thinking, who are you talking about? And you don't want that. You want your spouse to be able to say, I can say that my spouse treats me better than he or she treats anybody else. If you can do that, those date nights work great. Take a whole bunch of them. Okay. Well, there you have it, friends. A, A little bit of a good reminder for us. One, treat your spouse better than you treat anyone else. And I hope that's elevating how you treat your spouse and not downgrading how you treat everyone else. I'm no expert like the doctor here. Sorry, I gotta, Dr. Ray, i got to treat you like dirt now because I want to make sure I'm treating my wife the best. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, addition by subtraction. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you want to hear more from uh, Dr. Ray Garendi, tune in every Monday through Friday right here on Covenant Network. You can hear the doctor is in. Ray, I want to thank you for being with us today. Friends, we've got more Roadmap to Heaven right after this. Friends, here we are on Monday, and we already know that the theme for our Daily Dose of Encouragement is going to be marriage. How do we know? Because Patty told us that last week. And Patty, I have to tell you, last week's topic, Marriage Part 1, if we can call it that, has been without a doubt one of my favorite topics for the Daily Dose of Encouragement. So let's go with week number two on marriage. This week, we're going to talk about game changers for marriage. And now I will say this. Every couple, if you've been married longer you know, than five years, ten years, You can look back on your marriage and you know what those game changers were for you. You know, what made a difference in your marriage. I think it's important for young couples to ask what I'm going to call mentor couples. What were the game changers in your marriage? What were the best decisions you ever made for your marriage? So every couple has their own. Let me just say that. You have your own unique story. You have your own unique game changers for you based on your circumstances. I'm going to share this week. Five game changers that were the game changers for Larry and for me and for our marriage. We've been married 33 years, and I just want to share with you what those game changers were. So first one, the game changer for us was made, one of the first game changers was over 30 years ago. We bought a house based on one income, not two. Huge game changer. We were both working at the time. I had a great job. You know, we've stayed in that house for 30 years. 
We could have moved. We could have gone to a different zip code. We could have lived in an area that we wanted. We didn't. When our children came, it allowed me the freedom to quit my job if I wanted to. After we had our first child, it allowed us to get out of the rat race that we were in. We were the double income, no kids for a long time in our marriage. We changed our priorities. And that was the first big step in changing our priorities was to buy a house on one income, not two. So it was the hardest decision we had made up to that point, but it was one of the best. And I just say this because I know that many young couples today feel trapped. They feel trapped. I just want to say you don't necessarily have to be trapped. Again, everybody's financial situation is different. I don't want to in any way paint a brush for everyone, but look at your finances. The world will tell you to go as big as you can and tell you to go for that zip code that you want. And I'm just saying there's freedom actually down the road. You don't know how life is going to throw you a curveball when you have made that decision based on one income instead of two. Just a thought. Think about it for you this week. All right. It's going to be a week of game changers here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. This has been, that's a big one, Patty. That's a a big step and a a big step in trust. But all I can say is we look forward to tomorrow and the rest of the week. Game on. Game on. This has been a Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier. Patty, thank you so much. We are back. Here's a little bit of Latin for you. Uh, I didn't have a Catholic question of the day for you today because we had so much going on, so I got a little Latin for you today. See if you you can guess what this means. Veni si amas. Veni si amas. I'll give you a clue. When we sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we sing Veni, Veni, Emmanuel. Veni si amas. Well, uh, it means come if you love, and I bring this up because the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr, St. George, invite all single Catholic women ages 18 to 30 to attend the Venice Amas, Come If You Love, Women's Discernment Retreat. The retreat will be held at St. Francis Convent in Alden, Illinois, from March 4th through 6th. For more information or to register, you can visit www.altonfranciscans.org slash events or contact Sister Mary Carolyn at 618-463-2757. Again, that's 618-463-2757 or online at www.altonfranciscans.org slash events. And uh, if you missed all that, you know, give us a call here at the station. We'll we'll get the information to you. And that's something I, I want to highlight this morning that um, you know, on this day that many are going to celebrate romantic love, I hope we can celebrate all the more, as we've said multiple times today, our love for the Lord. And there are those who are called to love him so much and in such a beautiful way that they forego romantic love, the, the love between spouses, and they give themselves to Christ in religious life. And it's a beautiful thing. So whether you are discerning uh, to be a religious sister, perhaps with the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George, or perhaps another religious order, or perhaps you're a man discerning the priesthood or religious life as a brother, um, you know, know we're praying for you. Please do know that we're praying for you. And I would encourage all of our listeners to continue to pray for vocations. Uh, I'm a member of the Sarah Club, and it's something that I talk about from time to time, and that's the work we do. We pray for vocations. And the best part is you can do that. You don't have to be a member of any club 
to pray for vocations. You can do that from right where you're at today. So maybe, maybe when you offer your rosary today, uh, pray for all those who are discerning because, again, that is an act of love as well to enter into religious life or the priesthood, and we pray for all those who are discerning. I want to thank uh, Father Zach Edgar for being with us today, Father Jeffrey Kirby for taking the time with us on the phone, as well as uh, Dr. Ray for taking the time to be with us as well. But as the chime sounds and the music starts, we're reminded that the hour must come to an end. So let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, I have a question for you today. Do you ever have a difficult time curbing your tongue? Do you even know what that means to curb your tongue? I bet a lot of you do. I'm sure a lot of you do. But if you struggle with that, and I do, that's for sure, you are not going to want to miss... Wednesday show. Don't miss it because Father Wade Menezes from the Fathers of Mercy will be with us to talk about the power of the tongue and why we have to be so mindful about what we say. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.